We're turning to some scripture this morning uh, found in uh, the Old Testament, but it's, it leaped in my spirit when I, I read it and uh, studied it this week. And as I was, uh, after I had prepared my notes for today, I was picking up uh, uh, some messages and putting them in spiral notebooks, and uh, I found the title in August of 2014 on a set of notes that I'd had. But I, I, I have some good news. If you have a photostatic memory, I'm not using those notes at all. But I'm using the same title this morning, and it's all about the heart. America has a heart issue this morning, and America is in a dire need of a change. We, America needs to know the truth. And, and for the most part, our country has lost confidence in leadership. I'm not talking about politics. They've lost they've lost. Uh, uh, their, their trust in people. And, uh, and I was just thinking about the world that we live in and, and, and what Jesus said to the church. He said, you're in this world, but you're not of this world, which means when Jesus comes into our heart, he change, makes a change that we're going to talk about. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. And we're going to go into the Old Testament this morning, and we're going to see what God promised Israel that had strayed. They had scattered because of their wicked ways. They had done wrong. They had did everything contrary to what God had planned for them. And this is God's chosen people. This, this is his close family, the, the children of Israel. And I was thinking about uh, America today and and what's happening and, and all the crazy things that, that I've never witnessed before. And I came across something that I think is very fitting before the message this morning. Some thieves one day broke into a store and they didn't steal anything. They just exchanged the tag. They took an imitation diamond, uh, a, a imitation diamond and that had a price of $99.95 and took it over to uh, a diamond that had a $6,000 tag and they exchanged the tag. They put the expensive tag on the, uh, on the imitation and they put the cheap tag on the real thing. And uh, people came in and bought up the stuff. There was a, a great painting that was uh, several thousand dollars uh, on display. And then there was a picture, same size, same, same uh, uh, seen only it was by a different person and they switched the tags from the from the cheap and put it the tag on the expensive took the tag off the expensive and put on the cheap on the cheap and people came in and bought stuff up they spent a lot of money on worthless and and a little bit of money on expensive things today we live in a culture that's switched tags uh, the world has put a lot of money on flashy things and put 39 cent tags on character the world has put a lot of money on expensive homes and there's nothing wrong with expensive homes and they put a lot of uh, 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 price tags on the things that draw people to them but they put 10 cent tags on integrity on truthfulness on faithfulness and on dignity on character the world has switched to tags but I want to say to this congregation this morning don't let anybody switch your tag God has given us the ability. God is faithful. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we're not traveling a sinful pathway this morning. We may have fallen short. The Bible says we may have been cast down, but we're not forsaken because Jesus said, I'll go with you always, even to the end. Everybody's happy this morning. Can you say amen? amen. Well, it's all about the heart this morning. It's all about the heart. 
I have a friend that pastored just a few miles south of here uh, several years ago. Troy Golden was his name. He was a precious gentleman, about six inches taller than me, uh, didn't weigh any more than I did. Troy was a very outgoing pastor. He was a funny guy. He loved Jesus. And one day, heart issues uh, uh, took place in his life, and he spent month, a month in, in the Baptist hospital. And, and as we visited him, they were making a transition. And eventually, the day that he walked out of the Baptist hospital, he had a, a backpack, and it had an artificial heart in it. And Troy came home, and he lived many months with that artificial heart waiting for a transplant. And finally, the doctor said, look, I'm not sure that the transplant's going to be available. We just need you to take the artificial heart and take it as far as it, you can go. And when it's over, it's over. And he came home, and his precious wife and his two children, they continued life. Troy didn't let it slow him down a lot. He didn't get to fulfill the pulpit every, every Sunday morning. But he made the best of life, knowing that he didn't have a real heart like you and I. But he had an artificial heart, and it kept him going. I've walked into the hospital many times, and I saw the, the machine on the respirator on people that their heart was not fulfilling its responsibility in their life, and they had been put on a life support machine to keep them going. I've seen situations where the family wanted to say their goodbyes, and the doctor would be so compassionate and, and hang on to that person while their, their heart had com completely failed. They had the life support to stand in the place of that heart. Listen, I'm going to talk to you about the heart issues this morning because until a man's heart is changed, the outward man may make all the decisions in the world, and we all have good intentions, but I can tell you God wants to do something on the inside of us, and when he does something on the inside of us, he, he, he transposes the outward man, and he makes us acceptable in his sight. And with these words, I want to turn to Ezekiel chapter 11, and I want to share with you a few verses. Verses. We're talking about a man by the name of Ezekiel. He was a prophet in Jerusalem. He had been captured and taken as a prisoner for 20-some years under the leadership of a wicked king by the name of Jehoiakim. Israel was a living was living a very sinful life, but listen, God had a man in that sinful congregation that was still listening to God, and his name was Ezekiel. Every day, God, God visited Ezekiel, and he gave him a word, and he, he gave the word to Israel. And as Ezekiel, who was speaking to Israel about the consequences of their sinful way, he spoke to Ezekiel about a way that God would restore them, and he would bring them back uh, to their homeland and not only that he would bless them as the sand of the sea if only they would do one thing and that's repent ezekiel through god speaking to him daily revealed to israel god's chosen people that he had a plan for them can i say this no matter how wicked a friend or an acquaintance of yours is god still has plans for that person be careful what you say about the person that's never met Jesus. Give him the same opportunity that you have. One day, God, he may hear God speaking to him in an audible way, and he could speak him to the life that you're living. We never can know what God is going to do. His, his ways are a mystery, but his word reveals to us he works in mysterious ways. As God spoke to Ezekiel daily, revealing the plans for Israel, he said, not only do I want to bring you home, I want you to, I want you to gather back into the Israel. I want to make you a great nation. And he said, I, I want to restore the nation because you're my people. I haven't turned my back on you. You've turned your back on me. 
In those days, Ezekiel knew nothing about a church. He was concerned about the nation of Israel. Can I say this this morning about America? America may be filled with fake news, but let me tell you something about America that's really good. They're still backing Israel. Before we get too upset about the fake news, I want, I want you to listen to one thing. When you hear the word of support for Israel, I can tell you there's something good that supersedes all the fake news that you're hearing. And you need to be glad that we still have leadership. And I'm not bragging on e- either party. I think every party, I think every, it's like every church, we could all, always tri- tri- trim the hedgerows and maybe do a little better job than what we're doing. But in those days, the love of God for all men was discernible. And in the message that Ezekiel was bringing to the nation, he wanted to show them there was redemption, though they had turned their back on the Lord. There was a forgiving spirit that God gave his son Jesus. And that while we were yet sinners, Jesus made his way to Calvary by his own admission. And he died between two thieves. Not only did he die for the remission of our sins, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there would be no way that my sins, as bad as they were, could be washed away. And and as we see uh, the the message that Ezekiel had for Israel, there was hope for them because God had never turned his back upon Israel. And even though God had allowed judgment to fall upon them because their nation had become so sinful, he discloses his love and his concern for those of, of the children of Israel, even though they had rejected him as Lord. Ezekiel is a book of revelation that God reveals much concerning the future and the nation Israel and concerning the glorious reign of a great Messiah that's soon to return upon the earth and we'll see the golden days of life if we're still here on earth or when we come back with Jesus living in the promised land in that day of peace and pure worship and the great Messiah will be worth it all. It's worth living for Jesus. It's worth dedicating our life because God is in the business of restoring. And watch what happens in the closing days of this this time here on earth. Israel will be restored. And while our president, former presidents, have encouraged Israel to give Gaza back to the Palestinian people, that's their land. That belongs to Israel. And you watch how God works his plan for this great nation of Israel. Let's begin reading with verse 14 of the book of uh, chapter of the book of Ezekiel. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives, your countrymen, and all the house of Israel in its entirety are those whom you, the inhabitants of Israel have said, Get far away from God. This land has been given to us as a possession. These are harsh words that have been, has been spoken. Therefore say, thus saith the Lord. These are words that God is speaking to Ezekiel. Although I have cast you far among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered you among the countries, yet I, have, yet I shall be a, I want you to listen to this, a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they've gone. You know what this is saying? Even though they've rejected God, he still has a sanctuary for them. You know where it's at? It's in their heart. Do you know God never stops speaking just because of our condition? He speaks to us all the time. And, and when we get on the frequency with him, we can hear his voice. Verse 17, therefore say, thus saith the Lord, I will gather you from the people. I will assemble you from the countries where you've been scattered. And I will give you back the land of Israel. What a promise. Verse 18, and they will go there, and they will take away its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Verse 19, then I will 
I want you to notice this. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and I will take the stony heart out uh, of their flesh, and I will give them a heart of flesh. Uh, that is a great promise. This is, is a people that's turned it back on God. This is a people that's doing detestable things. Totally. Can you imagine how you would feel or act if your child did everything that you told them not to do? They, they, just, they just detested you. They rebelled against you. Everything you did, told them to do, they just did the opposite. And then scattering days come. They get so t- sick and tired of mom and dad, they say, well, I'll just make my own way. And they scatter. Because you're detestable. And, and God says, in, in all the uh, detestable and abomination, he said, I'm gonna, I'm go- I want to set you free from that. And then what, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you one heart. I'm going to talk to you about one heart for just a moment. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's unity. One of the greatest, one of the greatest prizes that we have in this church this morning is not the not the stained glass windows. I can still tell you, the, before the fire, these stained glass windows cost $6,000 for all four of them. I can, I can tell you where they were made. They were made and enid in a boy's garage. I can, tell, I can still see the boy. He was from the hippie movement. He came out here with a beard on. His clothes had been worn for weeks. And, uh, and, and we were glad it was summertime, and we could always stay upwind of him. But he knew his business. And I want you to look at that. You, you see, it's not what you look at sometimes. It's the unseen that makes a difference. Right. And God says, I'm going to bring you back as my people, and I'm going to take that stony heart. A stony heart will always find fault. Do you know you'll always find what you're looking for? <laughs> yeah. Don't shout me down now. I'm just really having fun. I'm not looking at the notes. You'll always, and if you're looking for the good in people, you'll find the good. If you're looking at the bad, you're going to always find the bad. I tell you, I, I, you people look like kings and priests this morning. You look like angels this morning. You know why? Because the Bible says you are. Well, you didn't see the way I acted on the way to the church. And hey, listen, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. He's, he's raising up kings and priests, and every king and priest needs an angel. Because that angel sitting beside you can make your life look a whole lot better than it really is. Isn't that awesome? Say thank you, Jesus, for it. But, Lord, Pastor, you just don't know who, who she lives with. Well, she told me she didn't know that I knew what, who she lived with. Moving on. They didn't say any of that. Everybody take a deep breath. He said, I'm going to give them one heart, and I'm going to put a new spirit in them, and I'm going to take the stony heart out of their flesh, and I'm going to give them a heart of flesh. And here's what happens. So many times, and I hear this quite often, and and we'll hear it again probably at New Year's Eve, uh, we all make New Year's resolutions. And you know, uh, in my younger years, I made resolutions that would be, it would have been hard for Jesus to keep. And one day I thought, you know, why am I slave to something I can't do? And so I, I, changed, I changed one day. And I said, you know, I'm going to make this real easy on myself. And here's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to eat every cherry pie that comes my way. <laughs> and I'm going to drink all the co- I'm going to chase that with coffee and enjoy every minute of it. You know, I have not had one a bit of trouble keeping that New Year's resolution. You know, sometimes we are our own worst enemy. I'm not saying we don't have goals. I'm not saying that you don't, we should not focus on the future. But listen to me. 
until God changes my heart, until God gives me a fresh breath of air, until he anoints my head with oil. I'm just a handful of dirt, and a handful of dirt can get in anybody's face and put their eyes out. (laughs) Notice what he says. I'm going to change their heart so they can do what I want them to do. Verse 20. They'll have no problem keeping my word because I've changed their heart. And they'll be my people because my blood flows through that heart. And it's that blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Do you know the day that you became born again, you not only accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but his royal blood began to flow through your veins. And that blood that that he shed at Calvary is the the blood that flows through our veins. And when our house is attacked with sickness and disease, remind yourself, the royal blood of Jesus is flowing through my body. And by his stripes, I am healed in Jesus' name. I'm not saying not go to the doctor. Sometimes the doctor has to to correct some things we're doing. Sometimes he has to give us some good instruction. Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought everybody you meet from 8 to 5 has nothing but trouble to tell you? You know, in pastoral duties, at least you get to share the joys. Pastor, little Johnny's going to be born in the morning at 8 o'clock. I said, do you want me there? No. I said, well, we'll be in your cheering section while we're at the breakfast table. You know, I mean, it's, it's awesome to be a pastor because, you know, there are some challenging times and, and there are some times that we cry with those that cry. And, and sometimes there's just heavy days and, and just seem like things kind of come in on you. But listen, Jesus says, be of good cheer, I've overcome everything. And then the Spirit begins to flow through me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not going to let the devil put me down because he's already been defeated. He's a defeated foe. He's a detestable foe, and we have no room in our heart for him. Then I want to skip from verse 21. Well, I want to read 21 to you again. For, but for those whose heart follow the desire for their detestable things and their abomination, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Then Ezekiel 12 and 2 says, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. Can I apply that to America today? Church, you live in a house of rebellious people. You know, I, I just in Woodward this past week, I pulled out, and you know, my pet peeve, and I repent quite often, nearly every time I get behind the steering wheel. My pet peeve is I see a car a, a half a block away, and I want to be real courteous. And I could have pulled out and drove a little faster than them. I could make I, I could have made that traffic light before they had to stop. But I waited on them, then I stopped behind them. Well, I saw this car coming, and and he was a half a block away. And I thought I've got time. I'm driving a Ford pickup, and I stepped on it, and he runs by. Uh, behind me and he begins to flip me off yeah no this didn't happen in Chester it happened in Woodward I'm not Chester's I tell you Chester will do till I get to heaven and you know the old flesh and so I you know I'm just going to be honest with you okay I've got the same finger he did I you know my old spirit just says give it back to him you see it's the reason I don't have fish on my car I don't have the word clergy. There's a reason for all of that. Listen, let's just get honest with ourselves, okay? 
Or if I did cut somebody off and they begin to chatter, well, if I chattered back, he wouldn't know that I'm a preacher. But God knows. And you know, every week has a Sunday. And you'll find me on Saturday saying, Lord, I used to say, if I've sinned this week, would you forgive me? And one morning I heard this just as clear as if you had spoken to me. What do you mean, if? <laughs> oh, yes, Lord, you know, you were looking. Yes, Lord, yes, yes, I do remember. We, do, we, we live in the midst of a rebellious house today who has eyes to see but does not see and has ears to hear but they don't hear all because they're a rebellious house. Can you see America in that today? Can you see how bad America needs a church that will stand up and do the right, that will have a heart of compassion, that will have the love of Jesus flowing through them? So when you do get flipped off, you can say, God bless them. I used to say, God bless that man. (laughs) You won't believe how much God, an influence God has on my life on a daily basis. Because he gave me a new heart. He gave me a heart big enough that I could forgive those that flipped me off. He gave me a heart big enough that I could love those that aren't walking for Jesus. He gave me a heart big enough that I could forgive. Listen, forgiveness didn't come easy for me. I could slap too when I was a young person. Listen, when Jesus changed my heart, he changed my life. He says, the reason I want to do this is so that they'll be able to keep my commandments and they'll do what I've asked them to do. God knew what Israel was doing, and he knew what they were doing. They were in captivity and still doing their own thing, living a life without God's help. They were scattered among other countries, but God said, I'm still going to be a little sanctuary. I'm still going to deal with their conscience. And every day there will be a little sanctuary because they're not united. They're not being followers of me. They're not in unity. They're walking in discord. They're doing abominable things. But he said, no matter where they're at, I'm not going to turn my back on them. And God deals with them through repentance and getting rid of all the bad things and all the junk in their lives and the detestable things. God's reward for obedience is this. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Isn't that great? Oh, listen, listen, to think about what God has done. And, you know, a, a, a stony heart in, in our flesh will hinder our health issues. A stony heart, a hard heart, uh, bless God, I'm, I may be a Christian, but until they ask me to forgive, I'm not going to forgive. Oh, that's, not, that's contrary to the Bible. Let's just look at our example. Jesus went to the cross before I ever said, Lord, forgive me. And he was hanging between two thieves, and one of them, a stony heart, he said, if you be who you say you are, get us out of this mess. Came from a stony heart. Notice the other thief. Was he a thief? Just like his, the one on the other side of the cross that Jesus hung on. But he said, Lord, would you remember me when you get to paradise? And Jesus says, I've got a better deal than that. I'm going to take you with me. That's what a heart of flesh does for us. Some of the most miserable people that I know of today are Christian people 
but they just can't turn loose of the past. They can't turn loose of some hurts. And I'm, listen to me, I'm not, I'm not putting you down this morning. If you've been hurt from the past, if, you've had, if you're wounded this morning, you're going through some transitioning time, I want you to know he's still a healer. He's still a great physician. He's still a great I am. He's still Jehovah Jireh. He said, I'll give you exactly the healing power that you need, and I'll get you through this, and I'll give you rest during the time that you're going through it. But, but listen to me today. It's not that they're not good people that still have a a hard heart. They just refuse to give that stony heart to Jesus and allow him to give them a heart of flesh. And God wants all of us to have a heart of flesh this morning. I was looking at an example. Some people go to, what is this, a skin doctor's name? Dermatologist. Some people go to a dermatologist to have some issues taken care of. I, I was sent uh, three times right in the temple uh, area, uh, and uh, and they and I three times the first time, and three or four the next time until they finally got it off and and sent me home with a clean bill of health. But you know, uh, uh, some people go to doctor to take care of some skin problems and uh and sometimes there are calluses that come on people's skin all because of a hardness of the skin it doesn't mean that all of their skin is hard but right how many have ever had a callus i used to wear five right here i used to handle sheetrock that would come out of a kill at 375 degrees and the first few weeks that I worked here, it, it wasn't that hot by the time we got a hold of it, but it traveled about 50 feet before we would flip over the sheet and put them together and send them to the machine. The first, first month I, wore, I had to wear gloves, and that was a detestable thing to do. But, but my hands finally got to the place. They got calloused enough that I could grab a hold of that sheetrock, and I could flip every other one. We flipped 8-foot-long 12 foot long 16 foot long I worked on that pl- in that place for two years and during that two years my hands became so calloused uh, it didn't even even when at smoking time I didn't want to wear a glove because I remembered the time when my hands were so calloused but but you know you, you can go to a doctor and and they can work those, those areas because your skin in those places where you've worked become very hard doesn't mean the rest of their skin is not it's not hard but it, it's it's because you've covered that area so long that that you you lose your feeling of the sensitivity of the feeling and you know when you and I have gone an extended time away from God a callus can grow so that we don't feel the desire for the cross like we one time did it's not that the desire isn't there a new nature exists inside of us, but we, we, we distance ourselves, and it's not, a, it's not a callous on our hands. Our heart can become calloused, and I can tell you how that happens. Sometimes it, it comes our way just by being so busy we don't have time to spend with the Lord. It can come through issues. We can have health issues, and, and we, just get, we can come to the place we entertain the wrong spirit sometimes. You know, everybody else is going good, but, but I just can't understand why God lets this come my way. And if we're not careful, we can become callous to the point. We, our distance, we just don't feel the presence of the Lord. Let me just say this. The first time I gave my heart to Jesus, there was the most glorious transition that took place. I, I felt like I was a, an eagle, and I was soaring 10,000 feet in the air. 
And when the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit, that same transition took place. And boy, I felt so good. I'd never felt so good in all my life. But you know, it wasn't long till I found myself, I wasn't feeling so good. And I'd go to the altar and I'd say, God, I just want to, oh, I just want to feel good again like I did the day I gave my heart to Jesus. And can I say this very honestly with you? I have never felt as good in all of my 50 years of serving the Lord as I did the night I gave my heart to Jesus. I'm saying that to say this. You can't live your life based on your feelings. Your feelings can get calloused. We can get calloused about carrying things that people said against us. We can get calloused about the way we're treated. We can get calloused about anything. We can even get calloused in our marriage so that we're not as sensitive as we are. And believe you me, I've been through about four weeks. I've got a little calloused. Carrying those five-gallon buckets of water out of that house when I knew everybody else was at the football game or eating at Delioso's. And my wife would say, when you get hungry, I'll fix you a sandwich. We can allow things to callous us so that we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know what? When that last bucket of water came up those four four flats or four foot of stairs, I began to feel good again. We had fans running. I'm telling you, we had to have that TV twice as loud as it was because we had fans running all over the house. You couldn't have heard the doorbell if it rang. But you know what? The joy came. I watched Sherry walk through there one evening with one of the most heavenly odors shaking that in that carpet. Carpet's been down 25 years. We were in a place we could put the best down 25 years. We didn't realize we were going to send it to the washroom three, three times in our lifetime. I mean, it's been washed. <laughs> Not, I mean, with, with rainwater, too. It didn't come through the faucet. <laughs> but I found one thing. As tired as I was at the end of the day, time, times of refreshing began to fill my life when I said, thank you, Jesus. I even walked those, those four foot of stairs with an artificial knee. I tell you, I'm made out of steel this morning. If you don't believe me, knock on that door when I leave. If you don't believe I've got one, talk to my, my uh, uh, lady who helped me uh, get well again. And, and you know what? She did me an awesome job. In fact, she told me, she said, you're my pastor, but when you get here, she said, I'm going to be your therapist. <laughs> Didn't ask any questions, just did what I did, uh, she told me to do. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that spiritually? <laughs> you know the reason I did that? Because I wanted to get well. And the, reason, the second reason I did that is because I love her. And she's faithful to the house of God. And can I say this? The reason God loves you is because of who you are. And while you may be buried, buried down with water in the basement and musty smell may be coming through the carpet, and you may be offered a sandwich while everybody's eating at Delioso's, thank God you're not horizontal on a life support. Thank God that you're still able to giddy up go. I tell you, I wasn't counting my blessing when I was coming up out of those stairs ways with a five-gallon bucket, but on the last one, I said, thank you, Jesus. And you know, the greatest miracle of it is, is we're still married, aren't we? <laughs> Isn't God good? I'm going to give you a, a few scriptures this morning. Jesus spake the scripture in John seven thirty seven through 39. On the last day, the day of the feast, Jesus cried out, 
at the feast, saying, if anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That means if you're dry this morning as a Christian, Jesus has come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water only flows through a heart of flesh. Sometimes our heart becomes penetrated by what the Bible calls the fiery darts. And uh, in the book of Ephesians, it gives us some scripture about how we're to dress every day. Put on the whole armor of God that you can resist all the wiles of the enemy. And he, one area I want to focus on, he said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Take the shield of faith so that you can quench all the fiery darts. And the fiery dart that the enemy throws at us today, the enemy wants it to penetrate that heart of flesh. Sometimes our heart becomes penetrated because the Bible says fiery darts, as they hit our heart, sometimes it can leak out the love and compassion that we have even for our companion or our children. A fiery dart can come through people's words or the way people treat us, our circumstances that have no control over us, health issues, marital issues, financial issues, home issues children issues and notice one thing in the book of john chapter 10 verse 10 the thief comes to steal kill and destroy and what he wants to do is send one of his demon powers you see satan is not omnipresent like the lord is the presence of the lord is omnipresent you cannot find a place where the presence of the lord doesn't dwell but satan was defeated and he's a defeated foe, and he's not omnipresent, but he, does, he, he is the prince of the power of the air, and he has a lot of demonic spirits, and they carry fiery darts. And what they're aiming for is not your nose. They're not aimed at your eyes. They're aimed at your heart. And what the enemy wants to do is just penetrate your heart so that it becomes leaky. And you can leak out the joy of the Lord as a, as a Christian. You can leak out the power to forgive, even as a Christian. You can leak out the love that God has given you for even your enemies or your next-door neighbor, and it only comes through a fiery dart that Satan has his demonic spirit to send your way. Listen to me. Satan is here to steal your peace this morning. He's here to steal your joy, your desire to serve Jesus, your desire to uh, be a part of God's family and all, that only God can create. Listen, God created this church this morning. He put it where it's at. It's God's house. It's not our house. It belongs to him. He has just put us as caretakers. I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm just a voice of, of like John the Baptist crying out in the wilderness saying, prepare you the way of the Lord. Satan wants us as Christian people to lose our touch of God in our life. He wants us to become so callous through the miles that we travel and the things that we do that we lose the touch of God on our life so that we don't care anymore. Listen, Jesus cares. He will always care, and he's always longing just to put his arms around us and pull us close to him to tell us how precious we are because we belong to him. Satan and his followers, known as demon spirits, are everywhere today. And I'm going to borrow a scripture from next Sunday's message. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 9, it says, On that night, God appeared to Solomon and asked him, What can I do for you? I'm giving you a peek of next Sunday. It's our night hours is where we struggle. It's those night hours is when we don't know whether the sun will ever rise again. 
It's those nine hours when our, our rest is gone and we're, our mind is trying to go one way and our, our spirit's warring against our mind because we're so out of sync. And it just seems like the touch of God is everywhere except on our house and our home and we just don't have the answer for everything. It's happening and we say, God, you've got to be here. I know you're here. You're omnipresent. And the calluses in my life or the areas where Satan has penetrated my life with a fiery dart, you said in your word, I am the Lord that healeth thee. Please heal my heart today and make me what I need to be. And then scriptures begin to roll. Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. When do I need that the worst? Not when I'm standing beside a, a glass podium when the lights, the chandeliers are shining and the sound booth is going. It's those nighttime hours when I need to know what the Word says because God says, my Word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light to your pathway. And listen to me this morning, church. The enemy has his guns loaded for you. He's got you in the crosshairs. He wants to do everything that he can to take you out. I have good news for you. Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Solomon, I'm going to cheat a little more on next Sunday. He said, Lord, I don't know what to do. These are such a great people. My dad, David, was such an awesome king, even through his trouble. I don't know what to do. God, would you just give me the wisdom to know how to walk, to come in and go out in front of your people? No, God says, I'm going to do better than that. Because you haven't asked for riches or wealth or the life of your enemies, I'm going to give you wisdom like nobody's ever had before. And then I'm going to bring in the extras. Everything you didn't ask for, I'm going to load you down with. When did God speak to him? In the night hours. If you're here this morning and you're having some nighttime experiences, if you're going through a nighttime hour, I want you to know you're not alone. Everybody else may be asleep in the house, but God never sleeps and he never slumbers and he's there. And he wants to ask you this morning, what do you need? If it's a peace of God, knowing that he's going to work things out, ask him. God gives liberally. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it'll be open to you for everyone that asks receives. And the enemy says, oh, no, they don't. You know somebody that's a great Christian. See what happened to them. Listen to me. Don't let the enemy pull you into comparing you with somebody else. The only body that I can compare my life to is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And boy, do I have a long ways to go. In the closing moments of this service this morning, I want you to bow your head today. And I want just some soft music from the sound booth this morning. But I heard this spoken at one of the greatest conferences I ever, I ever attended a few days ago. And it was so good, and it, it worked for me because I heard Robert Moore say these words, and God began to speak to me. So I'd like to use, paraphrase or use his words that he spoke to that congregation of 3,000 people. What's God saying to you? What's God saying to you this morning? When I'm standing in the fire, I will not 
did he say through the message today? Did he talk to you about the calluses in our lives? Did he talk to you about the nighttime hours? Maybe it was the fiery darts. That we've allowed to penetrate. Instead of taking the healing word and saying, I'm not going to allow that to affect me. I'm going to let the great physician give me strength to overcome everything that the enemy has sent my way. I don't, I, I just, I, I'm going to do something different this morning. I want our elders and your, your wife to come. Your wife is with you. If not, I want you to come and stand by each altar. I'm just going to be obedient to the Lord this morning. I always try to be, but there's just something that's speaking to me this morning that in a very strong manner. These guys know how to pray. They know how to touch the Lord. They have a prayer life, and they, they're followers, and they're leaders in this church. But if you're here this morning, it doesn't matter what your need may be. Maybe you're here and you need salvation today. Maybe maybe it's it's a healing process in your life, or, or maybe you've been wounded, and you, you're ready to deal with it this morning. May, maybe it's your own physical situation. Maybe it's a financial situation. No matter what it is, we're here to pray with you. I want everybody to stand this morning. Standing, if you need special prayer, the door has been opened, and I want you to come. And you can choose Craig and Linda, or you can come to Calvin. They're willing to pray with you, no matter what your situation is. But we're going to give the Holy Spirit just a few moments. And I want, I want, I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. Quit thinking about what are other people going to say. Listen to me. I stood at the, at the conference the other day, and allowing God to know my heart, and allowing the witness of just being obedient to God. I stood in a need, and God is is so merciful that he's ministering to that situation in my own life today. If you're here this morning, maybe you didn't intend to come for something that you need prayer for, but the door's been open, and I want you to just feel free. Don't leave here like you came. If you've been wounded, if there's areas in your life you want God to improve, maybe it's your marriage. You just say, I'm going to be obedient to the Lord today. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a heart issue, and you just want to deal with it, and you want to walk out of here free this morning. We're opening that door for you right now. We're going to wait just a moment. Lord, we just release you to do what you want to do in our midst this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.